If you have a Bible or you keep your worship guide open, uh, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 is found in the New Testament, uh, and this morning we are meditating on just two verses. Now, typically what happens in an Easter service is that the preacher preaches from a uh, story in the gospel, the resurrection story, but today I've chosen to preach from a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And in this letter, St. Paul gives us a specific application of the resurrection. In other words, Paul's concern is not to tell us that the resurrection happened, nor to defend the historicity of the resurrection. Paul's concern in this passage is to answer the question, so what? How does the resurrection change your life now? So we're reading Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Oh Lord, what a beautiful day you have given us. But more beautiful than the circumstances of the day and the weather and the nice sun on us is the fact that this day we remember Christ is risen. Oh Lord, let that be good news, not just to our theology, not just to uh, the things we think about as we long for Uh, that final day, but something that breaks into the present and matters to us now, a resurrection that is relevant for our lives and that helps us, Lord, uh, then even more uh, cherish the resurrection and praise you that you are risen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, For many years early on in my ministry, I was a college pastor uh, working with college-age students. And uh, one fall, I organized a hangout in Philadelphia in the city. And because these were college students, uh, many of them drove on their own. Now, on this one particular evening, uh, there was one student who was running late. And we had tickets to enter into this place at a certain time, and everyone was there except for him. And so as the one in charge, of course, I had to wait outside to make sure that he got there. And I remember as I was waiting, there was a crowd of people noticing him coming up down the street from afar, and he was walking, but as he was making his way, even though he was late, he was taking his sweet old time. He was walking as if he didn't have a care in the world. In fact, from my perception, it looked like he was strutting. He was leaning on one side and walking up like this. And here I was waving my arm, signaling him to hurry up. And when he finally saw me, our eyes and our gaze met. He, looking at me, waving my arm, telling him to hurry, simply gave me a What's up? Head nod and continued to make his way toward me slowly. I was livid. I was so upset. Didn't he know we were going to be late? Didn't he know everyone was waiting? Didn't he know we bought tickets for this time? So I began briskly walking toward him. And when I got close enough, I said, hey, man, who are you trying to impress? Stop trying to look cool. We're late. And he looked at me and said, Pastor Andrew, going as fast as I can. I hurt my ankle this morning. You see, his slow strut, his leaning to the side, 
wasn't because he was trying to look cool. It's because his ankle couldn't bear the full weight of his body. You see, when your ankle is sprained, when one foot is injured, when one leg is hurt, your gait, your walk, your pace, it slows down. It's affected. You can't run. You can't dance. You can't jump. Now, I mention that because the Christian life, the Christian gospel, the good news we believe stands on two pillars or two legs. They are the fundamental truths and doctrines, the core beliefs of the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that if you lose either the death of Christ or the resurrection of Christ, you lose the gospel. And so for Christians, Good Friday and Easter Sunday are such important days in the Christian calendar, not just because there are days off, but they're days we remember the historical event of Christ's death for our sins and his resurrection from the dead. Which means that in the Christian life, in order for you to run and jump and dance with the joy God always intended for you to have, you must know and apply the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ to your everyday experience. It's not enough simply to know about the historical credibility of the resurrection, although that's important. It's not enough simply to know the theological significance of the resurrection, although that's important. You need to know, why does the resurrection matter to me in my personal life? Because if you fail to understand the resurrection, that's when you begin living your Christian life with a limp, living it on a crutch. And your life isn't lived with the fullness of joy that God intended for you to have. So let me ask you this morning, how does the empty tomb and the risen Christ make a difference for your life today? Today's a great day, but what difference does the resurrection make for your Monday? What changes about tomorrow and the following day? The hope of the resurrection means there's more than hope waiting for you in heaven. There's a hope from heaven that's available for you today. The resurrection doesn't just change your future. It changes your present because of your future. And so how does Apostle Paul apply this glorious truth to us this morning? Well, if you look at verse one, here's what we read again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, Paul immediately begins with a point of application. He says, if Christ has been raised from the dead and you are united to him by faith, then you are raised as well. You share in his resurrection. Now notice carefully, Paul doesn't say you will be raised with Christ on the final day. He says you are already raised with him. Paul is saying the resurrection reality isn't only to be experienced in heaven and in the future, but it means something for you today, now. Because we are spiritually raised to new life with Christ. Although we are physically here on earth, in one sense, we have a foot in heaven You see where Paul says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What he's saying is this. If you believe in Jesus, you are united to him spiritually. And because Jesus is risen, because he is resurrected from the dead, because he is seated in heaven at the right hand of God, when you pass from this life, you will be joined with him there too. That he's already gone before you. He's entered heaven before you. And because he's already gone there, he's opened that door that you once had no access to. 
He's entered into heaven and he is preparing a place for you. And so when you peer into heaven where Christ is, you are not looking into a place where you do not belong, but you are looking into your future home. You know, when I first moved to Pennsylvania 13 years ago, I moved for my theological education. I attended seminary here and I was in all of my professors. As an eager student and lover of the Bible, I read uh, many of the books written by the faculty, these renowned theologians and scholars, and I would finally get to learn from them in person. You know, seminary is like a serious Bible student's uh, Willy Wonka chocolate factory. Now, maybe some of the seminarians in this group can relate, uh, but I remember there were times that I was in the library where the faculty's office were. And when nobody was around and the office looked empty, I would peer in through the little window in their doors in order to get a glimpse of what their offices look like. What kind of books do they have? Where is all this theological magic taking place? And I know, I know it sounds really creepy, but I assure you it was done in in admiration and in respect. Because I wanted to know what was going on in their offices. I longed to get a glimpse beyond the door a door that I had no right to open on my own, an office I had no right to sit in when I wanted to, bookshelves that I had no right to look through at my own convenience. Now, I know that applies to only a very uh, specific group among us, but maybe it's not a, a theologian study, but maybe you're curious as to what goes on in a judge's chambers, in the CEO's office, in a musician's dressing room, in an actor's trailer. But whichever it may be, the problem is simply this. We have no right to be there. And the same is true of heaven. We had no right to open its doors. We had no right to enter its gates. We had no right to take up residence under its roof. But because Jesus was raised from the dead and he opened the doors of heaven in order to enter and sit at the right hand of God, we get a glimpse of what's going on through the crack in the door that Jesus made when he entered, we get a glimpse of what's above to see the hope and the happiness and the healing found in heaven. But listen, we get far more than a glimpse. We get a guarantee. We don't just see a glimpse of the things that are above. We get a guarantee that those things will one day be ours for all who are united to Jesus by faith. Because he was raised, we who are raised with him will share in his benefits. Have you ever had a friend tell you about a trip or a vacation that they were planning and soon leaving for? And they've maybe have shared what sites they're going to see, what food they're going to eat, what excursions they have scheduled. And so you listen and you're excited for them. You tell them, oh, it sounds like fun. I really hope you have a great time. But deep down inside, what are you thinking? Well, unless you're going to take me with you, you can stop rubbing it in my face. It bums you out because the trip sounds really great for you. But how is that good news for me? When Apostle Paul tells us in verse one that we've been raised with Christ, he's saying that where Jesus is going, that's where you're going. That you have more than a glimpse of what's in heaven. You have a guarantee of it. 
For those who have placed their faith in Jesus are, are spiritually raised with him. You will one day be physically raised with him as well. You will join him there. Now, if that's where you're headed, if that's your final destination, then your present begins to change. And this is why Apostle Paul says, seek the things that are above. You know, for the Christian, we can do far more than simply ponder or dream or imagine or wish for a better world when we experience the brokenness of this one. The Christian seeks, sets their mind, hopes with certainty on the things above because that's what's guaranteed for us. What we will soon be in possession of And so what are those heavenly things? What is that resurrection hope? What should you be seeking and setting your mind on now? Well, let me just tell you a few. Eternal and everlasting life in the place where death is no more. Complete healing and health in our ailing bodies in the place where suffering is no more final peace and reconciliation with God and among men in the place where division is no more. The joy of true spiritual liberation and freedom in the place where guilt and condemnation are no more. The pleasure of knowing and being fully known in the place where secrecy and shame are no more. Resurrection hope says that in heaven, you will have the full inheritance of Christ. You will be partakers of the divine nature. You will rest in God's dwelling place forever, and you will experience the eternal weight of glory that far eclipses the momentary afflictions here in this world. Friends, we can do far more than wish for a better world when the one we live in is so broken. Christians don't wish for a better world. Christians wait for the better world. And this is why setting your mind on the resurrection, on heavenly realities, will change your Monday, your Tuesday, your week. It'll change the next week, the next month, the next year. This is because the resurrection gives us access to the things above. You know, Paul says in verse two, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. You notice there, without the resurrection, we have no choice but to hope in the things that are on earth. Without the resurrections, our choices are limited. We can only look in uncertainty to the horizon. But with the resurrection, we can look in certainty to heaven. And this makes a profound difference for you today and tomorrow. If you can't look up for your hope That means the only option you're left with is to look out for your hope. But what guarantee do you have that out on the horizon, there is something better? What certainty do you have that after you withstand whatever obstacle you're encountering right now, that there's not another obstacle waiting for you after that? What certainty is there that after you endure this season of suffering, there isn't another one already waiting in the queue for you? How can you know that once you overcome this arduous trial, you, your family, your loved ones are going through, that there aren't five or 10 or 50 more lined up and ready to come your way? If you can't look up, if you have no certainty in Christ's resurrection hope, then you only have one option, and that's to cross your fingers and wishfully hope that things in this life will get better. 
that things won't be hard again, that things will turn out okay. But there is no guarantee, no guarantee that things will ever get better. Who can make, keep, and enforce that kind of promise? You know, life is full of dangerous terrain. You need to cross this river, traverse this mountain, escape this valley. But once you do, how do you know there isn't another river, another mountain, another valley up ahead? You can't know. You don't know. So why would life owe you anything? It doesn't. And we often feel that reality. This is why when we suffer, we complain that life isn't fair. But who promises you that? But know this, only the resurrection gives you eyes to look up and not just out, to see heaven and not just what's on the horizon. You see, earthly hope that can be taken away from you by a pandemic or hope that can be given to you by a vaccine is a fragile hope. Hope that rises and falls depending on the performance of your financial investments in your portfolio or, or hope that rises and falls depending on who's president and sitting in the Oval Office. That's a futile hope. Hope that's determined by whether this relationship works out or whether it falls apart. That's a frail hope. Hope that's derived from your successes or taken away from your failures in the classroom or at work. That is a finite hope. But dear friends, let me tell you good news. Resurrection hope is different altogether. Resurrection hope is not empty because the tomb is empty. Set your mind on things of heaven, the things above, on this hope, which is more constant than the changing shadows or the passing wind. This resurrection hope, which is more resilient than sandcastles against the incoming tide or street chalk against the pouring rain. This resurrection hope, which is more permanent than your vanishing breath in the cold air or the flame burning from a matchstick. The hope of the resurrection, that Jesus is alive. He is risen and seated at the right hand of God. Means that whatever comes at you on the horizon you are safely and securely tethered to the one in heaven. Because of the risen Christ, come what may, today or tomorrow, next week or next year, come winds of worry, come storms of suffering, come floods of fear, come darkness of death. For if you are raised with Christ in his resurrection, you are steadfast and immovable. This is what the resurrection means for you today. This is how your Monday is different because Christ is risen. So turn your eyes from off the things of this earth and turn your eyes to the risen Jesus. Take your eyes from off the horizon and lift them up to heaven. Pray with me.